We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns Podcast. My name is Mike, here with Sam. Sam, how are you doing? We're finally back. Things are not terrible. Things are in motion again with the Phoenix Suns. Um, uh, I'm doing well, to answer your question, Mike. Apologies to the people who were expecting an episode from us at the beginning of this week, because I guess actually the better question is, how are you feeling? Uh, We were delayed for a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, I was sick, um, which worked out in our favor. In that we got to wait to record until Devin Booker came back and the Suns won a game. Uh, so we didn't have to record after that brutal streak of, of losses there. Um, but I feel better now, well enough to talk about the Phoenix Suns. And par- part of that probably is because Devin Booker uh, is back. And we're recording this the day after uh, they won a game finally uh, against the number one defense in the NBA in the Minnesota Timberwolves. That was a fun one, right? I feel like that's a stat that we're going to be throwing out. For the rest of the season. They when we, almost knocked him out of it. When, I, I was like, <laughs> this this offensive performance by the Suns might be good enough to knock him out of first place, but it didn't. They're still in first place. They're still in first place. Okay. Yeah. Well, if uh, ultimately they drop out of first place at some point this season, we're still going to look back on this game. Hopefully as yeah. maybe, you know, like we talk about the fact that this team was 8-8 eight and eight the season that they made the finals. Maybe this will be the catalyst that we look back on and say, this is where it all changed. Even if the Timberwolves become like, a league average defense at some point this season you know if they regress back to i guess where people more more so expected them to be we'll be like remember that game where the suns took out the number one defense (laughs) in the nba um look it was obviously a great game not just the fact that they won but the fact that they came out with the urgency that they did and and really pounced on them um I, i know we were all still scared uh at least a little bit like entering the second half and especially the fourth quarter because this team has now traumatized us like three times in the fourth quarter this season, but uh, they built themselves just far too big of a cushion uh, this time around. Yeah, and, uh, you know, there's just a difference between Devin Booker coming back and, and, you know, Bradley Beal, who I don't think was even fully healthy when he was back in comparison. And, of course, Bradley Beal still didn't play in in the last game against the Timberwolves, and we're hoping he'll be back maybe Friday against Utah tomorrow. Uh, you know, we're recording this on Thursday and then they can actually uh, have that big three for an in-season tournament game. If that matters to anyone listening in Utah against the jazz somewhere where Devin Booker has played very well throughout his career. But you know, the big story of that game, besides the fact that they won and scored so many points was Devin Booker coming back. And you know, the, the question I think with Devin Booker coming back is, does he like fix all of the issues <laughs> that the Suns have, essentially. And uh, in this game, yes. And, of course, the Timberwolves are on the second night of a back-to-back, so you got to mention that. But it's just crazy, I think, to look at the stats alone for Devin Booker in the three games that he's played. And combined those three games, he's averaging 31 points, 8.7 assists, 
6.3 rebounds on 56, 45, and 100 shooting splits. And the Suns, while he's on the court, are playing at a 123.9 offensive rating, which would be, of course, historic if they continued to play at that rating. He, he was absolutely insane last night, and he's been insane for the past few games. It's just, you know, I got I got myself in a little bit of trouble online last night because I kind of threw out, I, I was more so joking than anything else comparing the two stars on this team, and then people were like, why are you comparing? I get it. Uh, but Booker at this point is, the, I, I don't know if you want to say he's better than KD. He's not, but like, it, I guess it doesn't matter, but he is the offensive engine of this team in a way that I think KD maybe can't sustain at this point. And you saw it with just the fact that he can come back from a calf injury and immediately put the level of pressure on the rim that he did. Yes, the jump shot was there. He was hitting pull-up threes, putting guys on his hip, you know, making the traditional Devin Booker shots in the mid-range. But really, it was the fact that there was no Beal. The Suns needed a guy to come in and drive the ball, and Booker was there to do it, even coming back from an injury, you know, like just relentlessly attacking the basket, finishing and ones, like, you know, getting tossed his his body like hitting the stanchion hard hitting the floor on some of these drives and he was still just able to do it um and and he is the guy that makes the sun's offense run at at this point you know like one stat is that it's only three games but the suns have a 123.9 offensive rating with devin booker on the floor this season their next best offensive rating if you look at the roster is of course kevin durant who's also super fucking good uh but at 118.2 their offense naturally reaches uh, another level when you can put Booker on the floor as well. He opens things up for just everyone else on the roster. It's uh, it's not an insult to Kevin Durant to say what you said, <laughs> for the record. It, 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 Devin Booker is just playing that well so far this season. And, you know, whether or not it's sustainable for him or or what KD can do in the future is is sort of irrelevant to what the conversation is right now and that's that Devin Booker is not just playing as the best player on the Suns right now I think you can make a case that in those three games he's the best player in the NBA but nobody gives an award of course for three games you have to play more and that's the hope for Devin Booker to play more but when I was watching this game against the Minnesota Timberwolves and seeing what they look like with Devin Booker on the court, I think it's not just that they needed his offense. I think they needed his leadership. I think there was a void of leadership on the team when he wasn't playing. Because it's not just him, right, that's not playing. There's no more Chris Paul on this team. Bradley Beal is playing at times, playing injured. And then Kevin Durant, I think, is 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 one of the better leaders on the team. Don't get me wrong. But is sort of a, a, a chill leader he's not out there like if you make a mistake Devin Booker is going to yell at you he's as Frank Vogel described him after the game the most vocal player on the team right now and I do think that that helps as well in that it's not I think there's a form of leadership being the vocal leader out there you know calling plays out telling people when they've made mistakes or encouraging players to do something differently or better on a future play but there's also settling down the offense and you know uh, running the right play at the right time there are the things that point guards traditionally do that are sort of different than just dribbling and passing they're mental if you will and I think that was missing too I think there was a lot of what Devin Booker because of his skill set because of his ability to score at any spot on the floor to get to any spot on the floor the fact that he rarely gets sped up by any defender, those kinds of things, that was missing too. You know, they didn't have anybody like that. Of course, it's going to be a problem when too much of those offensive responsibilities fall onto Grayson Allen or Eric Gordon because they can't do it anymore. You know, (laughs) or at least Eric Gordon can't do it anymore. Grayson Allen never could. And so those were the types of things that were missing. and, And I think it stood out to me seeing Devin Booker back on the court that that was back too. Yeah, I, I mean, in order to beat a team like the Timberwolves' number one defense and, and whatever, uh, you really had to take a multifaceted approach. And so part of that, like, there was an obvious emphasis placed on pace for the Suns last night. So we saw something I loved uh, is we saw Eric Gordon, we saw Grayson Allen empowered to attack early in transition, um, you know, drive and, and, and get to the rim themselves. Uh, really focusing on attacking the Timberwolves' defense before they can get set. Because in transition, they're fine. Once they get set, uh, they're a much, much harder beast to to kill. And 
you know, that's that's part of the equation. And that was great. They like again, the urgency was there from the jump in the first quarter. But once you get later into a game, you can't just beat a team in transition, you know. And so that's where Booker's growth as a tactician possession by possession really comes into play. He's not Chris Paul. He'll probably never be Chris Paul. <laughs> you know, just just speaking yeah. honestly about like who he can be in the fourth quarter and the way that he can really like pin down and 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 take apart a defense. Chris Paul is one of the best ever at doing that. Um, but Booker has elevated himself into for sure the upper echelon of playmakers in the NBA at doing that. Uh, and you know that's not a place that we necessarily expected him to be three or four years ago before Chris Paul, to be honest. So the fact that he can leap into that role himself and do that now. You know, it's great to have other guys who can jump down a team's throat and like push the pace in transition or whatever, but sometimes you need a player to settle them down in the half court. And clearly, uh, Book is that guy. Hopefully, Beal can be to an extent that guy too. We just, you know, haven't seen enough of him healthy. Yeah, and I think being new to a team too, and this is not just Beal. To some extent, it's it's Kevin Durant as well, even though he is sort of the second longest tenured ma- major player on this team outside of like Josh Kogi. Um, you know, I think it takes time to get used to guys to to sort of take that role on. And I think you know you could make a case that the Suns need another another on court leader on this team at some point if they could get one, and that would be pretty helpful. You know, we've called it a point guard; doesn't need to be a point guard as well. If Eric Gordon finds a way to take that role on, that's great. You know, Nurkic, whoever it is, it's there to grab a little bit. And I think they could use it. You know, if it ends up being Beal, if KD just ends up being a little bit more vocal, whatever it is, or a trade, I'll mention it again. If they find a point guard or something out there that can help them in that regard, that wouldn't that wouldn't be bad <laughs> for this team. It's a benefit, right, that they're not all old at this point in that it's a long season, we know the problems when players are older. We're seeing some of it with Bradley Beal at this point. But, you know, it means that there isn't one of those guys um, that, that's that been in the league a long time, that's seen everything throughout his time in the NBA that can just be there and be that person who understands those kinds of things. So maybe they'll find that in the future. But I think, you know, in the meantime, if, if Devin Booker is healthy and playing, obviously he's going to be that main leader on the floor as he should be. And it's good to see that. And I hope it continues um, throughout this his time uh, when he's healthy here in this season. Impressive to see him. He is on a minutes restriction, which he still found a way to get over 30 points on that minutes restriction. He was definitely finding a way to get those spots. And uh, we'll see how he ends up uh, you know, continuing to play. One thing I thought was interesting that he mentioned, I don't know if you caught this, somebody after the, the game asked him, about whether or not he wanted to get out there more. And he said, yeah, I want to get out there more in every game, but I learned my lesson in the last game about that. I think the the implication there was that, you know, he was supposed to be on a minutes restriction in the last game he played against San Antonio and probably said no and stayed out on the court. Maybe that's where the other injury came from. So maybe there's a little bit of growth in Devin Booker finding ways to uh, keep his body healthy longer term because they need him out there. We'd love to see some character development if that's the case. I think he uh, he even referred to himself as hard-headed, too, in another response. So, yeah, I, I mean, I like the fact if he's kind of poking fun at himself there. Um, that would be a way in which it's good to not be Chris Paul. <laughs> because Chris Paul, right, remember, right. would always lie about his health and say he was fine when he wasn't, <laughs> and then he would get injured again. And we don't need that from another star player. So, ideally, Devin, if you could uh, not do that, that would be great. Yeah, after the uh, last game that Bradley Beal played, they asked him how he felt, and he's like, my back hurts. <laughs> like, it was weird to hear a player tell the truth uh, to, to somebody about injuries because we hadn't seen that uh, in a while. Everyone's just like, I'm fine, I'm fine. He's like, I tweaked it a little bit, and, and I'm hoping I can play in the next game. And We'll see. Back injuries are weird, you know, when it comes to Bradley Beal, and, and there's no way of really predicting when you can come back from that or how you're going to feel. Um, so whatever it is with Beal take the right approach he's on this team for a long time they need him to be healthy for a long time and and with Devin Booker back of course there's a little bit of breathing room in comparison to if he wasn't back and you needed Beal back sooner uh, so hopefully he's healthy another thing I wanted to point out just from the uh, post game of this last Minnesota Timberwolves game somebody asked I think it was Gerald 
asked Devin Booker if he feels uh, like he needs to play even better when he's playing against a friend like Carl Anthony Towns, and he, he said something like, uh, no, I feel that every night I, I got smoke with, and then KD chimed in, everyone in the league. <laughs> I thought it was interesting for Devin Booker to sort of uh, acknowledge the fact that he kind of hates everyone <laughs> and wants to do that against everyone in the NBA. He's just one of those types of competitors. You know, we've been like people who have followed the podcast for a while know how we've built out, quote unquote, the list of like people yeah, who have antagonized right. Devin Booker or the Phoenix Suns over the past like five years. Mostly that's a joke, but I do think there's something to the idea that Book is one of those competitive types who needs to invent a reason to hate you just to give himself that competitive edge maybe you didn't Mm -hmm. even particularly do anything (laughs) but that's just how he functions so yeah you're gonna get added to the list so you mentioned it Suns fans are traumatized I think a little bit by fourth quarters recently and you know this was obviously going to be a huge topic when we uh, planned on recording after what was it Sunday's game uh, which would have been Monday which is another game where they just completely fell apart in the fourth quarter now we have the opportunity to talk about it now obviously feels a little different after they've won a game but it's still a problem it's been 11 games now what we we've done what we've done in the past is after like 10 or so game chunks you and I have pulled some stats to talk about those stats on this podcast finding a way to talk about you know essentially the, the season in little chunks, and then we can keep an eye on those stats and see how they change. Um, I pulled some, so I want to talk about those on this podcast. This is a midweek sort of surprise podcast that we didn't plan, so we're not going to you know force it to, to be too long here, but I wanted to add some in here for context. But the first stats I pulled, I think, had to be about the fourth quarter. Now, there's two things that I wanted to, or three stats that I wanted to mention. Shooting. In the fourth quarter, the Suns are shooting 37.6% in the fourth quarter so far this season. They're also 28th in three-point percentage, so almost last in that. And they're last overall in free throw attempts. And those, I think, are the big stats that stood out to me when looking at the fourth quarter so far this season. And when I say that, I, I say that to really put some emphasis on the fact that the biggest issue so far... Now, there are other issues, but the biggest issue so far to me in the fourth quarter is just straight up missing shots. They are not hitting anything in those fourth quarters. There are other things wrong. Don't get me wrong, but that's the one that I wanted to point out first. What do you think about the fourth quarter woes that the Suns have faced so far this season? Uh, It sucks and it's worrying, but I don't necessarily think that we can infer too much from a bunch of games where it was kind of just KD. Um, in particular because of the way the offense revolves around KD. Now, the first thing I'll say, you said, what, 37% there, field goal shooting? I wonder Mm -hmm. what it jumps up to if you just take out, because there there have been a lot of awful performances there. It's not just one. But the OKC loss, where they went two for 21 in the fourth quarter, (laughs) takes the cake. Um, if, if you take out just that outlier performance, if you consider that some, some really poor outlier shooting, it probably jumps up to like, I don't know, 40, 41%, not good, (laughs) but I wonder what happens if you just take out that one performance. Well, I'll say this. I looked at the three games with Devin Booker, what they shot in the fourth quarter in those three games, mind you 37% in fourth quarters on the season. That's 11 games, three games with Devin Booker in those three games. They shot in the fourth quarter, 52%, 47.8% and 50%. You know, there is a question as to whether or not Devin Booker can fix all of the issues with the Suns. The answer is probably no. There are other things that need to happen to get better. But statistically, the shooting in the fourth quarters has gone up pretty dramatically when Devin Booker is, one, taking a lot of them, you know, taking a lot of those shots, and two, setting up other guys to take those shots. So, you know, obviously, Devin Booker helps. Like, this is not... I'm not breaking ground here. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and again, it's Devin it's, Booker helping. It's nothing against KD in particular because it's not necessarily fair. You can't do a one-to-one comparison of how the Suns' offense looks with just KD, which is rather uninspiring, versus how the Suns' offense looks with KD plus Book. That's not a knock on KD to say that it looks better with two stars instead of one. But we do need to acknowledge that as soon as you inject Booker into the equation, or even Beal for that matter, uh, the, the team starts getting downhill again. 
in a way that they just can't right now with Kate. Like, I think the biggest thing that's frustrating a lot of Suns fans who may be like, they don't even necessarily know it, some of them, but they're, you know, you see a lot of people online asking, why is the Suns offense so stagnant in the fourth quarter? And I think in particular, you see a lot of frustration towards these sort of KD mid post ISOs uh, that are being run in the fourth quarter where naturally basketball is a game of adva- uh, advantages, advantage creation. And the best way to create an advantage if KD is your only star on the floor, at least the, the logic from Frank Vogel and company would be, um, is to give him the ball in the post, have him draw the double team, and then move it around. Uh, now, fans are becoming frustrated because, A, KD is kind of turning the ball over a lot this year. Um, so on those doubles, sometimes you're seeing him kind of flustered more than he probably would have been in past seasons. Um, or, B, it's just kind of a predictable way of creating offense. And furthermore, he's not going to get downhill doing that, and the Suns aren't going to get to the free throw line by doing that. None of that takes away from the fact that playing like that is maybe kind of a necessity if you only have KD on the floor because there's no other player on this team. If Booker's out and Beal are out, um, that can consistently drive the basketball without turning it over in the fourth quarter. And like, dare I say, even yeah. like, you know, play make for others as well. So having Book in there is just such a necessity where, yes, it doesn't completely solve the Suns' offense and plug up 100% of their holes. But as far as clutch play goes, it plugs up like 85, 90% of them, you know, like he's that critical to, to what they need to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's important to remember that when Devin Booker comes back into the lineup, it's not going from zero stars to one star. It's going from one star to two stars. And that is the biggest difference. I think if Devin Booker was playing these games by himself with no Beal and no KD, there would be a lot of similar issues of when Devin Booker's off the floor, the the Suns collapse the same way it was when Devin Booker wasn't playing and KD would come off the floor. So, you know, I think to give credit to, by the way, KD has been really good, extremely good. (laughs) The stats are really there, but you're right. The skill set isn't in it's at this point of his career. The skill set is not the type of skill set where you could just run the offense through him dribbling over and over and over at the top of the key and, and create good offense out of that. I do think that some of the issues in the fourth quarter have been just the team being a little bit disorganized. And I think that even was the case when Devin Booker came off the floor in this Timberwolves game. They didn't know what play they were running at first. And some nerves. I think there were some nerves there. I think you can see it in in Eric Gordon. I think you could see it in Grayson Allen a little bit and, and maybe maybe even a little bit Kevin Durant because those turnovers have been, I mean, crucial to some of the losses um, from KD. And, you know, part of that is they know that Devin Booker's gone. They know Bradley Beal's gone. Some of those guys won't be playing those minutes if they were healthy. And also they're new. You know, they're new to each other. They need to get used to each other. They need to get used to that offense um, and I think I think a lot of those types of issues, including the shooting, will normalize a little bit as the season uh, goes on. So I think the fourth quarters have been really bad. But I think, you know, we've sort of memed continuity, you and I, <laughs> Sam, on this podcast. If only to say that the Suns were failing and James Jones did nothing for two seasons in a row in, in some sense. But it's really important early in the season and teams that have a lot of continuity are, are playing really well early in the season. And that's not a coincidence. You know, if you make massive, massive changes, 11 guys are new on the roster. It's going to take a little t- time to get there. That's not to say that there's not some level of panic that should be uh, that should be had about this team. But I do think, you know, we need to see it healthy a little bit first. And if if we get that chance, I don't think there will be as much panic. Yeah, and no, there won't be. But just regarding the continuity thing, I mean, you look at teams, there are teams already, I don't know how many minutes they've necessarily logged together, but if you just look at all the most commonly used five-man lineups in the NBA right now, uh, the Suns are way down there. <laughs> you know, there there are teams that have not necessarily been hit with the injury bug so far where you'll find three or four five-man lineups that they have already that are more common than the Suns' most used lineup because how many starting lineups have we already seen? You know, we've seen Josh Okogie in that fifth spot. We've seen Keita Bates-Diop in that fifth spot. We saw Grayson Allen one game in that fifth spot. And then obviously Book and, and, and Beal um, trading places back and forth. So, 
I hope we get that continuity. I hope we finally get to see a real stretch where the big three are all in and we get some solid, like, objective data of just how they all mesh together and, and we can really look into that. But um, it's it's always been the danger of this team that it just might not coalesce uh, in the regular season the way we'd ideally want and, and that even going into the playoffs, we might still have some questions. It's It's one of the issues with the idea of changing up the starting lineup based on matchups especially if you're including one of the guys in those changeups is a guy who maybe is not going to be in the rotation or and some games will be in the rotation and some games won't depending on health you're talking about josh yeah sometimes you just got to play the guys that will for sure be playing can we give a quick can we give a quick shout out to josh for last night because we're going to talk about him i have some stats all right cool cool, but first i first i want to mention since you brought up starting awesome awesome game yesterday booker's back so we know three starters right booker KD, Nurkic. And then the other two guys that they started in this Minnesota game, this is an example of what I mean. Just play the guys that you know for sure are playing. Eric Gordon and Grayson Allen. Now, maybe that's a little bit of... First of all, it's kind of disrespectful to to Cat, which was funny because at times Eric Gordon was guarding Cat. And and Allen <laughs> as well. It was I thought it was a yeah. great strategy. Cat had a solid game, but I thought taking the guy who is like least likely in his skill set you know versus ant who's like a killer and ant had a horrible game for a different reason they had a great defensive strategy on ant too but ant's a killer and he's gonna go out and like no matter who you put on him he's gonna try and kill them putting smalls on cat and switching smalls onto cat throughout the game and forcing him to be aggressive when that's not necessarily his go-to i thought was was genius game planning i love it i love the disrespect that's built in but on the other side of that maybe Vogel and this is something I've been begging for since before the season started maybe Vogel is starting to lean into okay when at least when Booker's back at least when we have guys who can get downhill let's maximize the spacing as much as possible in that starting lineup and we'll see if that impacts at all if it's Eric Gordon or if it's Grayson Allen as that fifth guy when they're all healthy so that that offense is fully maximized and you're stretching the opposing defense as thin as possible because look as much as we sort of I've made comments about the number one defense being the Timberwolves they were that throughout the season and and the Suns absolutely put it on them in the uh, first half of this game due to the offense that they had Um, so I'm not sure if that's going to happen but just mentioning the the starting lineup you know I'd be curious to see what it ends up being when they're healthy now that when Devin Booker's back they kept both of those guys in it they didn't put KWHD up in they didn't put Josh Okogi in right they didn't have any of those sort of quote-unquote defensive first guys they just went all offense in that lineup yeah and but you know what's interesting is the defense first the defense first guys were still so critical to the game plan because um Josh Okogi and Jordan Goodwin both still played a role in this game because Beal was out and Booker was on a minutes restriction they still logged 35 minutes combined and they were instrumental in limiting Anthony Edwards to his worst game of the season so far consistently and and this is something by the way that i was impressed to see both drew eubanks and even a little bit of yusuf nurkic playing above the level of screen throwing some traps onto ant to really like get him out of his comfort zone and and kind of mix things up and force the ball into other players we still saw it a lot more with eubanks than we did with nurkic they're still less comfortable with nurkic in that position but just the fact that we saw a little bit of it last night i thought was encouraging and um you know, having guys at the point of attack like Akogi and Goodwin, you could argue that um, their their skill sets are, you know, a little bit too similar, that maybe there isn't room for them in the rotation. But having guys, uh, a guy like that consistently out on the floor who can ram through screens at the point of attack uh, and really put ball pressure on whoever the best offensive player is on the other team uh, is going to continue to be really important. And this is why Vogel has some really difficult decisions uh, up ahead, I could foresee a world where obviously only one of Goodwin or Akogi is playing in the rotation if the Suns are fully healthy. I could see a world where both of them are still playing, and it's a little bit harder to find the minutes, but maybe not necessarily as hard to find the minutes if like you're willing to play a little bit smaller sometimes, if you're willing to reduce maybe a guy like Yuta Watanabe, who I think has been pretty bad this season. I don't know if you have any comment there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, we'll... we'll We'll, we'll see what happens with those two guys. Right now, it's really difficult to choose because I think clearly the momentum was in Goodwin's favor. Um, but Akogi came out last night and hit three super awesome 
threes, like super important threes in the first half to like continue to justify his ability uh, to stay on the basketball court. So I, I was really happy for him uh, with the game he had. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, I have some more stats that I want to throw at you and relevant to what we were just talking about here. Um, and this is the three-point percentage for three players that I wanted to bring up. One of them is Josh Okogie. Now, you talk about him hitting important threes. You're right. And he had a great game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, but he's currently shooting 26% on the season. Uh, Yuta Watanabe, you could say he's up to 36% because it was lower than that um, after, you know, before the last game, and then he made a few in the last game. And then Jordan Goodwin is now up to 35% from the three-point line. And I bring all those up together just to have a conversation about all three guys because I think all three guys, there's there's minutes to be had on this team. Maybe not by all three of them when they're healthy. Now, we've had some of that conversation. I think, to be honest, I think you can make the case that Goodwin and Akogi are finding ways to earn those minutes even if they can't shoot threes because the offense might be enough to sustain them. You know, the difference between Jordan Goodwin playing with KD on the floor, very good. And Jordan Goodwin playing without KD on the floor, very bad. (laughs) It's pretty dramatic. And, you know, eventually there should be a star on the court at all times. So maybe that is enough to mitigate what Jordan Goodwin is. Um, But Yuta Watanabe, you brought him up. I think the thing about Yuta is he does things okay most of the time. But the reason he's on the court is to hit and make threes and to shoot them. You know, that's the other part of it. And if he's not shooting them closer to 40%, it does limit his utility on the court. Because as tall as he is at six foot nine, he can't guard huge guys. You know, at that, at that height, he's probably more like he's guarding threes on the floor, maybe occasionally switching on to guards. He's, he's also um, a really bad rebounder. First size. Yeah, has not rebounded a lot, has not created a lot. Had a really nice lob to Chemezi Metu at the end of the last game. That was a nice little uh, cherry on top of that game. Justice for Chemezi Metu, by the way, who came <laughs> he out. He looked good right away. Came yeah. out in those two and a half minutes and was gunning for playing time. That's another guy Bull who Bull like, still couldn't get on the court. Yeah, Chemezi Metu, uh, <laughs> if anyone's coming for Yuta's playing time right now, honestly, it might be Chemezi Metu. So yeah, we'll yeah. I mean, that's a good point. Um Yes, and so there's there's that. But the other part of it, Jordan Goodwin has started to hit some threes off the ball, just some catch-and-shoot threes. And, man, would that be huge for this team if he can continue to do that. He's, um, and then Okogi, as much as that last game was good, it's been real bad. 26% is the worst of his career. It's been bad, but you know what? Look at this. Jordan Goodwin, 46% true shooting. Josh Okogi, 59 
And yeah, I think because of the free throws. Because of Koki. Yeah. Recklessly he's a grifter. throws himself at the basket, but he's he's really good at grifting. And it is still going to be important that he actually is able to stretch the defense just a little bit. Not not even stretch them, but just that he's like seen as some sort of modicum of a, of a threat, right? Uh, against the uh, the opposing team. Yuta is, in theory, the best shooter of the three, but. My, my, I like him, or I want to like him. My impression of him right now is that he's tall, Landry Shaman. Mike, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you, because um, we haven't seen the creation. I don't think we've seen the defense. We certainly haven't seen rebounding. I just don't think he's really impacted the game on either ends of the floor. If, as a matter of fact, if you look at the value of a replacement player, the VORP stats for the Suns right now, you could say you care about those or don't care about those. Eleven games in, and that's fine. Technically, the worst VORP on the Suns through 11 games is Yuta There's Nabe. one reason I, I care a, less about that negative, for With a negative stat. Sure, go ahead. He's played the most minutes without KD on the floor. That's fair. You know, and, and, and the reason for that, obviously, is he comes in for KD often. And But but the thing is, is when Booker has played very few games, Beal has played very few games, that means he's playing the most minutes without any star on the floor. So he's playing the roughest, toughest, hardest minutes to score in. You know, like I mentioned it last night, just watching this game, everyone makes more sense when Devin Booker's on the floor. Everyone. But especially somebody like Yuta, who is there to just catch and shoot threes. If you don't have anybody penetrating and feeding him the ball on those on those catch and shoot threes, it's going to be more difficult for somebody like him. Um, but playing the most minutes without KD, that's not his role at this point. You can say that he showed a little bit in, in those Japan qualifiers, but... That's diff- That's totally different than what he's expected to do on this team, and I think he will get better. And it, the other part, every is- single role player on this team, just to underline the point you just made, every single one of them. We talked about how Jordan Goodwin is bad when he has to run an offense by himself because duh. Every single one of them will look better if they can crack the rotation and get some minutes uh, when the Suns are fully healthy. Every single one of them will look better. Yeah, but there won't be room for true. all of them, <laughs> so we got to cut yeah. one or two. And out. you know, maybe there, maybe it is these three guys. I, that I end know up being the guys who play, but I'll just say last thing I'll say uh, about Yuta real quick is that like I know what the importance is of theoretical gravity, regardless of what your actual shooting percentage. And they do guard are. him. They do. Yeah. But if he's hovering around thirty six, thirty seven percent for the entire season instead of forty, and Shemezi Metu can hit like thirty four and also <laughs> be a vertical leap threat. Like a, a a real lob catch guy, and can also yeah. be a switchable defender. Mm-hmm. That's pretty. It's pretty compelling to me. It's, uh, it's you know, it, nice it, to have options. At least worth yeah. a look. It's worth a look. Uh, I mentioned. I guess it was mostly playback because I didn't think we get we got to have a podcast to 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 talk about this. But that sometimes it's good when a Kogi turns down threes. And uh, you look, of course, occasionally he will prove me wrong, but look, 74% of the time he won't um, at this point. And I thought it was interesting because Devin Booker brought this up in the postgame. I don't know if you you um, heard him talk about this, but they asked him about Josh Kogi, and he said, you know, he talked about threes. Of course, threes are important, but occasionally he said he needs to be more like a, a Draymond. He actually named Draymond by name, which is something we did in playback as well. And he talked about turning those uh, threes that he's turning down into DHOs. And this is something I wanted to mention because of how I think it was particularly relevant against this team. It's just that he didn't start, so it wasn't as important. But like, say somebody like Gobert is on the court, and at times he's going to be switched on to a Kogi, and he's going to just stand in the paint, and a Kogi is now going to be at the three-point line with 15 feet of space between him and the next defender. He can shoot that. But if there's 12... 14 seconds on the shot clock left. He can also dribble into a handoff for somebody like Devin Booker, Grayson Allen, Kevin Durant, whoever it's going to be. And because the other defender that's guarding him is so far back in that play, there's going to be a lot of space for whoever he's screening for coming around that. Now, of course, if they switch, Akogi has to catch it on the run and make the right play. But that's why... Devin Booker brought up Draymond Green because they want him to learn to be able to do that and to be an effective offensive piece and a threat because that space is something you can use against the defense even if he's not shooting. And it's really vital and really important for him to figure that out because if they start finding ways where the ball swings to him with 12 seconds left on the shot clock and instead of it being a three that goes in 26% of the time, 
it turns into a handoff with Devin Booker where they can find somebody else wide open right, where, where Devin Booker shoots it. Yeah. It's it's a lot it's a that's, lot better of a play. That's gonna be way more efficient if you look at the the points per possession. Um it's a big ask. I, I mean, we did talk about this on playback. It's a big ask for a Kogi to be Draymond Green. Draymond Green without the psychosis, if you will, because that's maybe what we're what we're really maybe a little bit for. of it, a little bit of it, a, a, <laughs> would a be, little would be good. A mature level of psychosis that he brings to, uh, he keeps on the floor and not directed towards his own teammates and his own, yeah, of course, uh, own organization because that's the issue with Draymond. I don't know. Has. Have you watched Jordan Poole this year? Well, yeah. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I have. And remember, I placed Certainly the bet. Understand Draymond Green. Remember, I placed the bet. I took the over. This was on our <laughs> Patreon uh, podcast. But when we were placing bets around the league, yeah, at the start right. of the season, I said. Jordan Poole over, I think, like 26 points per game just yeah. as my long mm-hmm. shot bet. And I did not realize that Kyle Kuzma was just going to be the guy taking 25 shots per game on that team. <laughs> and that Poole was actually going to rein it in a little bit. So he hasn't the been good. The most Wizards team of all time, that yeah. team. He hasn't been good. Uh, uh, at least I have Koulibaly. He, he seems to be doing all right. Um, what were we talking about? I have some about? more stats. Oh, Akogi. more stats. Okay, so just yes. real quick. Akogi can't be Draymond, mm-hmm. but if he could like even tap into to 25% of that, then yeah, he... He's it's just about usage, using him differently. Those DHOs, turning him into a screener, even when he has the ball. You know, we talked about him being an on-ball screener, but even when he has the ball, it's just a different way of using him, something that they haven't done much of. And I think Frank Vogel appears to be more willing to do than uh, Monty was. So I think we'll see a little bit more of that. We saw a little bit of it in the last two games. Uh, here's one other stat. And this is more of a asking you where your panic level is at. And this stat is Bradley Beal, after this year, has three years and $160 million left on his contract. I only say that to say, look, he's been pretty hurt. And it's a back injury. And I don't know what it's going to be. And I'm concerned about this season. But I'm looking at the entirety of that contract. And that kind of scares me at this point. (laughs) And this is always what we knew was going to happen with Bradley Beal. He's not going to play the whole season. He's got a lot of years left on his contract. The goal is for them to be healthy in the postseason. All of that still matters to me. But he has barely played this year and has not looked healthy when he played. And he still has three years left on his contract. Where are you as far as the panic meter panic when meter. it comes to Bradley Beal? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm at a solid five, uh, five and a half. <laughs> yeah. What about you? I, so I should I'm, say I'm about there. Yeah. yeah, my mind is clouded by the fact that um, I actually have a back spasm as we speak. Uh, this is this is not yeah. something that like came up that is flaring up right now as we record the podcast, but it's something I've been dealing with for um for the past couple of days, and like obviously not a professional athlete here, but if you put a basketball in my hands right now and told me to go out there and play, I might cry. I mean, it's the the pain level with back injuries sometimes, man, is just unpredictable, and you don't know day to day if it's going to get better or not, and that's a lot of money to to be putting in that guy's hand you know what i think is interesting is when he's actually played this year i didn't feel like his stats aren't great he shot 39 percent from the field 33 percent through his um through his three three games but i didn't feel like his mobility necessarily was limited did you i mean his clearly a little his, bit yeah his in conditioning game, yes I, fe- I felt more maybe the last game but i felt yeah. more like it was a fact of he hadn't been getting full practice runs so his conditioning was so poor. And like, especially in those first two games, then he would get up and down the court for three or four minutes and he'd already be gassed. But he'd be throwing himself on the floor, diving after loose balls, driving mm-hmm. the ball yeah. like his normal self. Not playing, He's not scared. N- yeah. yeah, exactly. Not playing scared, not playing otherwise like you would think that he was afraid that any sudden movement could throw his back out of sorts again. And hey, look, maybe ultimately playing like that is <laughs> why he did injure himself again. I don't know. Um I just I I really hope we're able to get him back and and get a healthy run with these three because the team just doesn't work if Beal can't somewhat survive uh, yeah. playoff runs without injuring yeah. himself. They can be pretty good. They can be really when, fucking good when two guys are healthy. Yes, but you know I don't think they can be better than Denver Nuggets. Good. It'd be really hard to win a title. Exactly. Yeah. It would be you'd have to be really lucky. I mean, ultimately, you'd have things would have to fall right into place in order for you to do that. Um, anyway, uh, we just need to see ten games in a row by him or something like that to to make me feel better at this point. But I, I'm I'm a little bummed. I feel really bad for him. Ultimately, making the massive change that he did, moving across the country, and then not even getting to play healthy, you know, because of a preseason injury. 
Um, okay, I got some more team stats. These are just team stats that I'm, I collected um, about the entirety of the team just to talk about it over the last 11 games. And then let's jump into listening to some voicemails that we got some people who, from some people who listen. Um, first one, fourth. The Suns are fourth in three-point percentage so far this season. Did you realize that? I actually did. I wanted to give some credit to the fact that we were talking about these guys like Yuta maybe hadn't shot the ball quite like we wanted. We talked about being disappointed in Akogi and Goodwin to a certain extent. But then you've got Booker at 46% career high. Yep. KD at 46%. Uh, I'm not looking at his player page, but I assume that's also a career high. And Grayson Allen. Yeah. Member of the Grayson Allen trade. Uh, at forty, <laughs> at forty nine percent, if that's what we're dubbing it now, I, I don't know. Would you say Grayson Allen's been better than than Nurkic this season? I, I think it's he's been, definitely better at shooting three pointers. Certainly better <laughs> at shooting three pointers. I'd say I mean, the overall impact of Nurkic those guys, is at like twenty something percent. Yeah. They're uh, they're about at a wash. Uh, I would say between the two of them because Nurkic does some really important stuff too. But those Nurkic three guys, has the most uh, has a massive impact for a guy who can't score at all. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Um, but th- yes. those three are carrying the team. I mean, they're they're putting our entire three point percentage on their collective backs. Yeah, and uh, of course Drew Eubanks, who's shooting one hundred percent so far this season. Uh, I yelled uh, at my TV when he took that yesterday. I was like, "You idiot!" And then of course it went in. So <laughs> when we were watching playback, he almost took one, and you were like panicking when he almost took one so as soon as he he was wide open in that corner i thought of you panicking in that moment and somehow it went in it didn't look good uh somehow it, it, went it, in. it, it look, occurs if he can to occasionally now, make them if the shot clock's winding down that would be great he is a career 36 percent three-point shooter 16 of 45 now honestly so he's taking 45 not bad but the thing yeah, is maybe he's, we can we can chaining fry him he came from portland too yeah actually not a, not a terrible comparison <laughs> eighth in free throws attempted that's fun, right? It's nice to see those two stats after Monty Williams for a long time. Fourth in three-point percentage, eighth in free throws attempted. The Suns get fouled. And this is, I think that free throws attempted stat is particularly impressive when you factor in the fact that Devin Booker has only played three games and in those three games hasn't taken a ton of free throws. Um, they're finding ways to get to the line. Nurkic is really good at it. Eubanks is really good at it. But I think, obviously, Josh Akogi, who we talked about, is good and I think the relentless attacking of guys like Eric Gordon and Grayson Allen who look you don't want them doing it every game because they're not as good as Bradley Beal and Devin Booker but their willingness to get in there and get hit around and, and embrace that contact has been pretty helpful for this team for sure any thoughts on that free throws attempted yeah I, I K, well, mostly I, a KD stat right yeah I mean I, ex- I expected them to be around here this one is not as surprising to me because it's it's just good to have I mean, I still feel like KD doesn't necessarily get the respect of some other superstars. So I feel like between Beal's driving, if he ever gets healthy, and and maybe a little bit of a little bit more respect for KD uh, on some of these drives. I know he's averaging nine free throw attempts per game, but it does feel like he still gets slapped quite a bit um, on his kind of final strides to the basket when he does opt to drive. So this is um, this is good stuff. I th- I think they could go even higher, to be honest. It's, it's something I don't not know that anyone... to take for granted. Nobody, I'm just saying this just from eye test alone. I don't actually have this stat, but nobody in the NBA gets fouled on jump shots as much as Kevin Durant. It's kind of crazy how he he just like pulls up on guys and they reach in. I don't know what it is about the way he shoots or maybe because there's no way to contest him at the top, more players end up reaching when he brings the ball down low in his shooting pocket. But he gets fouled on jump shots a lot. Uh, and it's just like you don't see that very often with a lot of guys, especially from that mid-range area. Some of that is because he pulls up so quick too. Um, okay, here's here's a bad one. 26th in turnovers. Now, I want to say that to say that it's gotten slightly better <laughs> over the last two games. From 28th? <laughs> from 29th, yeah. <laughs> um, yesterday was their first uh, single-digit turnover game of the entire season, which is crazy. Yeah, That used to be like a regular occurrence in the Chris Paul yeah. era. yeah. Um, and look, Devin Booker is going to help with that stat. I think it's pretty clear. Um, but yeah, that's one that you got to watch because I think it's really it's really the reason they've lost most of the games that they've lost so far, right? Because when they shoot, when they end an offensive possession with a shot, they're doing pretty well <laughs> in those in those plays. But they're giving up a lot of points um, on those turnovers, so that's one to watch. 
Um, lastly, I just pulled up their regular old uh, offensive, defensive, and net rating stats. Tenth in offense now. Um, they're going up. That's Devin Booker's played three games, and I think the minutes with Kevin Durant on the floor, it's clear that that's going to be helped when when Booker plays more. They went down in defense, 15th in defense, and they're 13th overall in net rating. These stats all look like a team who has been injured a lot throughout those first 10 games, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're still struggling, I think, a little bit just to find their identity. Uh, I will say defensively, I like the versatility that they've been showing. I think that's a common theme that we've seen throughout this season. You really, when you watch, just like focus in on what the two centers are doing, and, and I think you'll see it. We've talked a little bit about it on playbacks. However, versatility is not necessarily a substitute. It, it, it's straight up not a substitute for like efficiency or being good. Yeah. <laughs> and so some of the cracks on defense are starting to show. I don't like the fact that this team, for as scrappy as Frank Vogel said they were going to be, is uh, 25th in steals. Right now, I think they could get a little bit better at being more aggressive. And, and that's kind of, again, where Josh Okogie, Jordan Goodwin, the importance of those guys is underscored as you need good players to pressure the ball and really make the opposing star players feel the defense, which is not something you're necessarily going to get or just you're straight up not going to get if you start Grayson Allen or Eric Gordon as the fifth guy. Um, another thing with this team right now is corner threes. They're giving up. Uh, let, let me actually see the frequency here. I got to change the tab. So they're giving up the fifth most corner threes um, to opposing teams. And in accuracy, they are shooting just 28.2% on those corner threes against the Suns. That's a little bit of a concern to me right now. But that is a Frank Vogel. That's kind of a Frank Vogel stat. Force the ball into the corners and make those as contested as possible. Uh, that's kind of something that he's done on teams throughout his his time coaching. So I'm yes. curious to see how much that'll change. Yes, but a team is they're, they're not going to shoot 28% on corner threes all season long because of the virtue of how often that is the release valve play of just like you swing it to the corner and that's the guy who's open. It's great if the Suns want to clamp down, rotate hard, contest corner threes, all of that they should be doing. Uh, 28% is not going to stick for the entire season. So that's just one thing I'm, I'm kind of keeping an eye on because I would expect some regression there. Um, and that's a sign that maybe the defense is going to dip uh, a little bit more. So, you know, I think there are some early concerns with the defense. Mostly I like the effort, uh, but they need to not shoot themselves in the foot by turning the ball over and then that's giving it. up easy transition opportunities. That's, that's, it. that's kind of the end. This 15th in defense is like a turnover stat to me too. You know, just don't turn it over, and that defense is in is top ten probably at this point. Yeah. So much of their struggles defensively has just been live ball turnovers and turning it over, over and over and over again. And uh, look, it's difficult to get back in transition over and over and over again. And uh, teams are good in tra- in transition. They've played a lot of good teams so far too. And uh, you know, Devin Booker helps obviously immensely with the offense, but if he is one of the big reasons the turnovers as a team are cut down. That has a pretty big impact on the defense as well. Not to mention he's been playing great defense uh, for, I, yeah, I guess, like a season and, and a half. I don't know. <laughs> Something like that is where his defense has been really good so far. Um, and, and I think that will have the biggest impact on this. So as long as he stays healthy, I think that defensive rating could get better as well. Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll listen to some voicemails. For those who didn't know, we brought back a phone number that you can call and leave us some voicemails. The phone number is 480-420-6553. Feel free to, to save it in your phone and give us a call and leave us a voicemail sometime. We'll be right back. And when we come back, we'll listen to some of those voicemails. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's listen to some voicemails. Once again, if you want to give us a call, it's 480-420-6553. You can ask us a question. You can leave a comment about the game you just watched. I tweeted out that phone number immediately after the Timberwolves game. And Sam, you and I are going to do this for the first time in a long time. We're just going to listen to some voicemails that people uh, that people left us. You ready? I think it's literally been four years since we did this. <laughs> this is a... I shit you not, a Kakashkov era bit that we're bringing back, but I think it's a good time to bring it back. All right, let's uh, let's listen. Here's the first one that we got. Uh, I think immediately after the game. You hear that? That's the sound of victory. Let's go, son! <laughs> All right, shout out to that guy. <laughs> um, the the funniest part about this is so like you guys are just coming up as numbers, so leave your name. If you yeah, want if you'd us like to give to. you a shout out, if you want us to give a you a shout out on the pod, like if you're someone who we know through social media, or if you're not, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we'll take we'll take anonymous comments too. I That's suppose. true. Let's go yeah. Songs. Um. And yeah, keep it. I would say if you want to be on the podcast, keep it under a minute is probably the best way to to be on. Maybe under thirty seconds, um, is the easiest way to go. Um. Let's listen to a, a, another one here. Is listening to Booker, it sounds like. Devin Booker, number one option on the Phoenix Suns 2023. Let's go. Wait, that was the, that <laughs> was just the same guy. You didn't, I like him. <laughs> you didn't notice that it was the same number? All I right, didn't. Shout out, shout out that guy for giving us two. Let's, let's move on. Here we go. Dude, I don't, I don't even know what, what kind of message to leave here. All I'm saying is Booker is is him dude like, he's him i mean you got yeah kevin durant and devin booker just clearly just dominating john in the playoffs last year I mean, yeah shit happens whatever see you now it's great you got you got beal and kevin durant like it's, it's okay it'll, it'll probably do but you get all three of these dudes together brother Oh my god. We in business, boys. We good. I uh I like that he brought up the playoffs last year uh in this message when talking about Devin Booker because it's true that we saw Devin Booker play at a level we had never seen him play in the playoffs last year and you know the question was of course is this just what he's going to be like playing next to another star like Kevin Durant? And then we saw in the uh in the preseason that it just kind of continued and he continued to play at that level. And so far this season, we've only seen three games, but he's still playing at that level. And I don't know what the ceiling is or, or how sustainable all of this is, but the fact that it was sustained over the course of the playoffs until of course, Jeff green injured him <laughs> and then the preseason. And then now in the regular season, it's a pretty good sign. I'd say, and I think Suns fans are pretty happy to see Devin Booker back. Right. My yeah, they are happy to see Devin Booker back. I would say so. My favorite part here, this is not analysis, but just the brother. <laughs> I'll always take anyone who uh good good inflection, good tone there. It's nice message. Here we go. Thirty six unbothered. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> thirty six unbothered. By the way, Booker tweeted thirty six unbothered. People put it together, figured it out. This was what, right before the playoffs last year? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh I just think unbothered is such a good way to describe how Devin Booker plays offense. Now, it's not to say that Devin Booker doesn't get bothered cuz boy does he get mad at people at times. It's just really hard to speed him up offensively and unbothered is a good way to describe his game, I think. I think it's also, you know, I, I look, we're are we reading too much into a two-word tweet from his last, <laughs> last spring maybe. Um but I I always kind of read it as you know tuning out the noise from the outside of course 
Definitely. which um to be honest i don't know how good kd is is at doing that but i think book is very good at doing it kd at least you know we know he'll go online and troll a little bit i love that too i'm not bothered by that uh here we go here's another one what's up guys it's jake greider calling from chicago where i'm playing a jeff buckley tribute show Oh, I listened to every episode and uh, saw the tweet with the number and figured I'd call. Uh, watching them right now on a delay on the NBA app. It's good to have Booker back. They really do look unstoppable, man, when Booker's out there. Uh, you forget that he's, he's, I mean, he's one of the best players in the league. And when he's on, when he's on, he looks like the best player in the league. I mean, we saw that in the playoffs. He was looking like peak MJ. Um, it's just so good to see him out there, man. Like it just changes everything, everything. And when Beal gets right, man, you know, barring injuries, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I was I was feeling a little squirrely there for for a bit, you know, <laughs> when we were losing games. But I don't know why it's so easy to forget how Booker is, how good Booker is, man. But he's he's a, he's a beast. Anyway, I love the pod and uh, keep doing what you guys are doing. You're the best. Bye. Uh, thanks, Jake. And uh, shout out to Jeff Buckley. That's awesome. Uh, Gone Jake's too soon. A, Jake's a musician. I remember yeah, cool Jake used to live here in Phoenix I, when I was in the music scene. I remember seeing Jake around every once in a while, actually. Um, now, thinking, I'm look, I I don't blame any Suns fan right now for, for saying the, I can't wait till they're all healthy. But man, am I looking forward to the part of the season where we don't have to say that anymore, right? Yes, I forget who it was. Otherwise, I'd give them credit. But someone was just leaving a response uh, for me on Twitter yesterday saying that uh, basically the preseason is over. Yeah. Uh, game one <laughs> against uh, uh, or game one in the regular season was was last night's win against the Timberwolves. So it sort of does feel like that in some respects. Obviously, the games that we played, the games that we've lost uh, count <laughs> and carry some real gravity. Yeah. In a sense, it does kind of feel like the season is only beginning now. And man, hopefully we can take this positive momentum and actually do something with it. We've got a big back-to-back road stretch um, against Utah this weekend. So we'll see how it shakes out. I think uh, about that a lot as far as it feeling like preseason when listening to like national podcasts. Because often it's like either they don't talk about the Suns, which I don't blame them at all. For no, I, talking I, I about neither the do I. Yeah. Or if they talk about them, they're just like, well, I don't know what to say. Or are you worried about them at this point? And the, there's the no other. Are, just wait till they're healthy and we'll see, you know? Yeah, there's nothing else to say about the Suns from a national perspective at this point. I think if you're the type of person who's like scrolling through and, and <laughs> ingesting as many national pods as you possibly can to get that, to get your weekly or daily fix of Suns content, they just don't have a lot to say right now. You know, we we need to see those three on the floor together. And in fact, you might be disappointed by some of the stuff you hear because it kind of just emboldens the people who are on the more the pessimistic doubters. side to yeah. to come out and say, yeah, I told you so, which can't really prove them wrong at this point until Beal gets out on the floor. Pythagorean theorem, guys. Um, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> All right, one more. Let's listen to this one here. Hey, Mike and Sam. Uh, this is Jeff Wentworth on. I'm a longtime listener of the pod. Um, what a great game. That was, that was awesome. Um, one of the things I wanted to say was, has Book ever looked that fast? Like, did he not look unbelievably quick? I, I just, I don't know. It was just kind of shocking to me seeing him come back from, from an injury like that. And, man, he was moving off ball. He, I, I've never seen him drive the basket that hard. Um, he was making unbelievable acrobatic shots. So fun to watch. Um, looked over at my dad and I was like, he looks like he a top five player in the game and he might be the best player on our team. And we have Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal on our team, which is ridiculous. So, uh, yep, um, that's all. I want to hear you guys' thoughts. Is, is book top five in the league? Can he be? I don't know. All right. Well, appreciate you guys. Hope you have a good one. Thanks so much. Um, has Devin Booker ever looked that fast? First of all, thanks Jeff for the, for the call in the voicemail. Um, what do you think? Do, did you notice the speed looking different from Devin Booker? Not necessarily the speed. I mean, he looked fast, but he always looks fast to me. I don't know if the speed looked better coming off the injury. I think just the frequency at which he was doing it, I was like, oh yeah, he's got something to prove. 
tonight, right? Like he he's playing with that aggression. The one play I mentioned earlier, the one where he finished on the wrong foot or off the wrong foot, rather, got hit, took the N1, but like mm. fell hard into the stanchion, yeah. almost to the side of the stanchion where like his body absorbed some of that impact in kind of what looked like it could have been, you know, a bit of a scary fall. Um, it was that level of aggression for him and the fact that he was still persisting and finishing through that contact that I was like, oh yeah, he's back. This is exactly what our offense has been missing. Um, and for the second part of kind of Jeff's comment here, just like, can he be a top five player? Is he a top five player in the league when he's fully healthy? Yeah, I think you can make that argument. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and Kellen said he's literally gonna rank MVP. the players right now. Did Kellen say that? On our on our uh, season preview. Oh, yeah. He he brought it up as a distant possibility. He didn't like say that he's going to be MVP. <laughs> I believe he said, I think Devin Booker is going to win MVP. <laughs> well, Kellen can fact check us if you'd like to, but uh, he seems to think he will. And look, if he continues playing like he is, there's no reason other than missing games. There's no reason. We need the Mavs. We need the Mavs to lose lose games. That, that's a good point. That um, pesky Luka Doncic is some, uh, he's competition. Uh, as far as his quickness and his speed, I do think playing against Rudy Gobert, you really got to get it up on the glass really fast in order to avoid him. So he's kind of really uh, the afterburners were firing in getting to the rim when Rudy Gobert was on the floor because that's the only way you're going to get a shot up without him swatting it. Um, so I think that was a little bit of it. I didn't notice anything, but I'm going to pay a little bit closer attention to that um, now that he said it. I think there is just some some fearlessness in his game that is there with Devin Booker um, that has been really impressive. Uh, but thanks everyone who gave us a call. If you want to be, there was a couple other people too that I didn't get to play in this episode. So thank you to everyone who called us 480-420-6553. If you'd like to give us a call, ask us a question, talk about games, stuff like that. We'll try and play these every once in a while on the podcast. Save it in your phone in case I forget to tweet it out. Of course, um, one other thing I want to say, we're going to try and do playback pretty soon. Sam, I think the next game that we had circled Tuesday. on the calendar Tuesday, right? Yeah. Against the, uh, Portland trailblazers, which again, keep in mind for the people that we're doing playbacks this year again. Um, but for now we are limited to the non-national TV appearances, which for the Suns is like every other game is on national TV. <laughs> so I think the next non-national TV game is Tuesday against Portland. Deandre Ayton. He's going to be there. Should yeah. be fun. There'll yeah. be narratives to discuss and we'll have some fun, you know, chatting online. So yep. join us. And if you watch, if you watch on League Pass, you can join, watch the stream with us, hear us. If you watch here in Phoenix locally, you can always listen along and watch the game with us. Try to sync it up as much as possible and, and take part of the chat. Uh, but thanks everyone for listening. If you'd like to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash the timeline. We'll try and get a podcast out pretty soon. And of course, ethicalhoops.com for all our merchandise. We'll be back very, very soon. Appreciate you all.